0: All right, we're back. Have you missed me or have you been binging on bacon wrap business? Hopefully, it's the latter. This is Brad Costanzo, and I'm uh, thrilled to have you back listening. Hopefully, for a long time, if you're a very first time listener, maybe you stumbled across the topic or the guest that we've got on the show today and you thought, man, I'm going to give this a listen. Welcome to all the first time uh, folks out there. My name is Brad Costanzo, I'm your host. I am an entrepreneur, I'm a consultant. I am the host of this show, and this is my platform to get to talk to some of the brightest minds out there about the things they're doing, and everybody I talk to is somebody that I want to be having conversations with anyway, and I get to let you guys eavesdrop on The conversations I'm going to have. Sometimes that means we're going to talk really advanced stuff because it's what I would talk about if I was having a beer or a coffee with one of my guests. Sometimes we'll break it down and to the step by step things that you can follow. And I'll tell you this some. Of my guests have told me that episodes of my podcast are actually as good, if not better, than many of the paid courses they listen to due to the topics and the depth that we cover. For instance, I just recently interviewed Anton Crayley from Dropship Lifestyle because I had some very uh, specific dropshipping questions that I wanted to do in my own business. And if you haven't heard that yet, you'll want to kind of go back there and listen really closely. You can uh, just flip through the iTunes. Thing, or you can go to baconwrapbusiness.com forward slash dropshipping, and you can check it out. Uh, and I encourage you to do so. Today, we are not going to talk about e-commerce, super tactical, how to do, uh, you know, how to, how to do this, that, or the other in marketing. We're going to talk about something much more important, much more foundational, and we're going to do it with one of my favorite people in the world, Adam Lyons. Adam and I have known each other for you know, just short of a decade now. And he is the yep. founder of psychologyhacker.com and a really cool uh, other business he's got called Nights at the Game Table. And we'll talk about each of these. And he is also <laughs> the author of a book called Brain Hacking, Rewire Your Mind to Have It All. I could, uh, I could talk to Adam for days. In fact, a lot of times we do, but I am thrilled <laughs> to have you back on the show. Adam, welcome to Bacon Rat Business
1: thanks man it's good to be here i'm excited for this uh this, this is the number one podcast i wanted to be on uh when we we re- yes. re- 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 relaunched the book or launched the book so, I love sure.
0: it. Well, you're one of the very few who have done a twofer who've come back for a second uh who i've invited back for a second show but um i love everything you do and uh the way you do it and you never ever cease to amaze me with your ability to accomplish what most people think is absolutely impossible and uh, <laughs> And I want to dive into that. You know, in a moment, we are going to cover some of the really kick-ass concepts inside the book, brain hacking, how to rewire your mind Mm -hmm. to have it all. And I've read the book and I made sure I read everything in the book, not only because I was interested in it, but I wanted to be able to talk to the audience about it even more depth. Before we do that, however, I want to give some people some context to your story and really your backstory here about like some of the things you've been able to accomplish using some of the principles that we're going to talk about in the book. So um, take us back kind of then fast forward us through the past, you know, you know, you know, what makes you, you.
1: Oh Um, my God. That's that's a loaded Um, question.
0: You know what? I'm asking the wrong person. Every time I talk to you, I'm hearing more shit. It's like, Oh yeah. Did you know I did this?
1: Yeah. I I mean, Wait, let's go back. Let's go back just a little bit. Um, So the the main thing I suppose I'm famous for, the people know me for outside of psychology hacker is I'm the guy with two girlfriends. Um, We, we went viral on the internet three times, um, not on accident every single time I did it on purpose. Um, You know, 21 million views per video. uh, Me and my two girlfriends talking about how in our current uh, day and age and society, where people are more accepting of relationships um, that are unique. I have a relationship with two women um, and uh, and we all live together and we have kids. And that's, that's like a big one. That's something that I remember, you know, years and years ago, I was a dating coach, obviously Brad, as, as you know. And I remember reading the game by Neil Strauss back in 2005. Um, and in the game, Mystery said, you know, he wanted to have a relationship with two women, but by the end of the book, it was kind of decided that that was impossible. Um, and from all the, the so-called seduction experts, dating experts, and pickup artists in the world, I'm one of the only ones that's managed to get a relationship with two girls, and I'm the only one that's managed to hold that relationship down for, for seven years and have kids.
0: Has it been seven years?
1: It's been seven years. From my. Well, it's, uh, it's coming up to eight with one, and it's moving from six to seven with the other, so wow, seven between them both.
0: Time flies. Yeah, it does. And, and yeah, I also want children. to... Fr- I also want to um, let some other people know, but like, bottom line, like Adam's backstory is he was he grew up in a very poor side. What was it East London?
1: Yeah, I grew up in East London. My father was a janitor. My mom was a stripper. Uh, we, you know, we we had no money for. I mean, I remember I got my first job at the age of eleven. As a mover, I was helped carry bags because we couldn't afford, like, bacon. Actually, funny enough, bacon was the thing that <laughs> so got me the job. It all yeah, comes back. Uh, you get all
0: you want. Come yeah. back in seconds. Yeah,
1: I remember. I got so upset. My mom got mad because I took an extra slice of bacon. I only got one slice of bacon once per week. And I oh in a sandwich, one slice of bacon doesn't go very far, so I took two uh-huh. slices. And my mom got oh my. mad. It was like a huge fight. And she's like, you need to get a job.
0: Oh, my God. Well, and I bring this up I bring this up for a reason because you uh, you grew up poor, uh, poor you know, yep. with parents who did not have the money could not, did not have all the support, definitely did not have the right mindset of uh, you know let 's be driven and accomplish and smart and go you know kick ass at life son and you told you, you talk about in the book how there are many instances where like, th- this is just what you do. You don't get out of East London. You just, this is what, who you are. This is where you stay. You're probably going to get a <laughs> job, et cetera. And you had girl problems. I mean, you were, dude, you, you still are. And I say this obviously as lovingly as possible. You're the biggest geek ever. Like you <laughs> love the nerdiest shit ever. Like from Dungeons and Dragons to live action role-playing and LARPing and all this stuff that most people think is like only nerds do that. And yet you are... You're this suave two girlfriend like having number you're the like number one dating coach in the world. You drive you're on probably like second Maserati. You bought tons of land in Texas, and you make a fortune, and you're making movies and doing some of the most amazing things. And you don't get to that area like that is not a normal trajectory for somebody who grew up with your past to have the ability to really rewire their brain in a way that makes that stuff possible because i'm here to tell you like i don't care what tactics you know and how many marketing books you study if you don't fix the six inches between your brain to operate at a different level you will never ever get out of the mud um you got out of that mud and i want to dive right into the heart of this and talk about some of the underlying principles that allowed you to do this and how to hack your brain and kind of you know deal with the shit so let's let's break it down what What's
1: the you think sure. Was- yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, I mentioned it in the book, but one of the big things is your, your brain has a subconscious and your subconscious is where you make most of your decisions every day. Um, there's a really good book, uh, you know, thinking fast and slow, which covers this concept in depth. And we, we touch on it a little bit in the book, but if you think about, uh, actually it was great. I had to, I was sick a couple of months ago and I went to Starbucks and I was arguing with myself when I was ordering. And, and you know, I think a lot of people have had this experience where someone's like, what do you want? And then you answer, and then about half a second later, you go, actually, no, I want this. You know, like, so, you know, like, you'll maybe order the regular coffee you always order when you go somewhere, but yeah. you decided on the way that you were going to change it, and then you forgot, and you actually still ordered the regular. And you're like, no, no, wait, that's not what I want. I actually want this other thing. That is your subconscious. That is your subconscious communicating for you. And uh, it's when you're driving... And, you know, you feel that it's okay to look away from the steering wheel to look at your phone. Your conscious is looking away. Your subconscious is still driving the car. And mm-hmm. the subconscious is so confident. It's convinced you you don't need to see. It's like, don't worry about it. You can you can check your phone. I've got it. Like, I'm, I, I know what I'm doing. And the subconscious is so dangerous because it has this amazing ability to make us believe everything's okay. And it knows what it's doing as it 100% drives you, your business, your love life straight into a brick wall. And a large part of the book is diving into our subconscious and and really organizing it and having a look at how messy it is. It's like that closet or that drawer you have in your house that you just leave messy and you just keep dumping stuff in it, you know. Except that that, that drawer or that closet is actually making some pretty big decisions about your life. Right. Um, well, and it's so we 20, go in,
0: we go ahead.
1: No, yeah, I say we go in, we re-jumble it, and we we get it clean, and then now we're making the decisions we want to make.
0: Right. And well, that's one of the things is that I mean, the subconscious is so powerful. And when you find yourself consistently getting results that you do not want and finding yourself in patterns, whether it's like, you know, you keep on dating the same type of uh, guy or girl and you are uh, like, why do I always date this person who's like this or like that? And it's, or why do I always sabotage this in my business or whatever? It's your subconscious playing out these patterns and it really does. It is the one that's driving the car and it's always outside of your awareness until you kind of shine the light on it and shining the light on your subconscious is not always a fun thing to do because oh, it's, it's brutally horrible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. Your, your brain doesn't
1: want you to do it. Um, I'll give you um, a great example about business that I see a lot of people struggle with. Um, you know, with psychology hacker, we have a lot of, you know, CEOs, business people that come to us for help growing their business to the next level and not necessarily, um, you know, the business steps they're going to take, but just like inside their own head to be able to elevate that level. And one of the, the, the key things that we see time and time again is when someone's got a problem in the business, they always want to fix it by doing the thing they're best at. So if someone's good at crafting offers, they'll always fix their business by crafting a new offer. Or if someone's good at ads, they'll they'll be like, oh, I'm going to create a new ad set. And normally, if your business isn't growing, if you've hit a plateau, it's because you're, you're not doing something you don't know how to do. And you're scared of doing that because it's new and it's different. And your subconscious is on autopilot. And when it's on autopilot, it can only do the thing you don't have to do. It makes you do the thing you're good at. So you create a new offer or you start a new business. Rather than growing the last business to the success you need it to be, you start a new one because that's what you've always done.
0: You know, it's, um, it's funny. As you say that, and I'm talking into my microphone, I'm looking at the acoustic guitar on the side of my uh, in the side of my desk here. And it makes me think about something like growing up, I played guitar since I was probably in sixth grade, you know, really young. And I'm, you know, I was pretty good at guitar. However, like I hated practicing uh, and I hated doing stuff that I sucked at. So what I would do is I I should be 10, 20,000 times better than I am because I caught myself when I look back at how I practiced is I would learn a few songs and I was really comfortable with those. And when I sat down to practice, the only thing I would do was play the songs that I knew how to play really well over and over and over and when it came time to learn a new one i remember sitting there just going i don't like sucking at this like this doesn't feel good (laughs) i'm gonna go back and play the guitar like the song that i know how to play and i'll play it over and over and over and i'll just get those little dopamine rushes because oh like hey look i sound good and i can do this on autopilot but i never got better
1: that's exactly Uh, what you are exactly that exactly that and if you look at your businesses if you look at your, your, your life your relationships you'll do this over and over again i love that you said uh you know you don't like sucking at this um so at psychology hacker every day we sucking make a sucks. video <laughs> so, so i literally made a video today of psychology hacker for like we do this video every day and today's video is called embrace the suck and I teach a psychological hack to to embrace the sucky thing that you don't want to do. So actually, you want to do it. Um, and when you embrace that suck, suddenly it's not sucky anymore because you know how to do it. The subconscious kicks in and says, oh, this isn't sucky. I know how to do this. I've got it now. And now it's taken over control. And now it's really easy. And now it's not a problem.
0: Right. And, you know, I actually had that realization um, years ago and it was, what was really funny is years ago, I was no good at Facebook ads. I knew how to do it, but I was like, I hate every second of this. I would sit down <laughs> the ads dashboard and I'd be like, there's so much to learn. Why am I doing it? Why don't I just pay somebody to do this, which I normally mm-hmm. want to do anyway, but I still wanted to know the foundations. But I mean, I would sit down and it would just make me sick to my stomach sitting, getting into the Facebook ads dashboard. And I remember at the same time with this guitar, I sat down to learn a new song that I had heard. And I remember going through it, and it was a really complex song with a lot of finger picking. And I was terrible at it, but I was like, no, I'm going to get this. And just what, bit by bit, bit by bit, as I got better, I started to get a bigger dopamine rush. Off of the micro improvements, even though I still sucked, I was like, Oh my god, I got that. That neuron Mm neuron connection was made. That was made. Oh my god, this is so great. And I and I realized that it's the exact same thing in business or whatever. Like you just said embrace the suck and realize it's part of it, but enjoy those little bitty wins throughout it. And like make that where you get the dopamine rush, not out of having it all done. It's just like, oh, I I can connect those dots. Now I can connect these. This is this is really cool. And it allows you are, me to
1: you are process more. 100% spawn. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, that, that's exactly it. And, and that, you know, that essence is the key to the book, but you can also hack it. So, you know, big thing that we, that we talk about is how can I, how can I get that dopamine rush without having to do the suck, but yeah. train myself to change the subconscious before I tackle the task. So when I tackle the task, it's easy and a really easy way of doing that. For example, with regards to you, Um, let's just say we went back in time and spoke to Brad back then. And actually, I know you, and I know you probably did a bit of this. Um, We often, as humans, we're social creatures. We like helping others. Sometimes you can tackle the task for someone else that you do not want to do for yourself until you gain so much confidence and the subconscious is trained at doing the task on behalf of someone else, that doing it for yourself is really easy. So you train somebody else how to do Facebook ads, guide them through it, and do it for them as a favor, Um, you know, or just because you're helping out a family member and the next thing, you know, you've become consciously competent at it. And now when you do it for yourself, it's basically,
0: yeah, you're 100% right. And just, you know, one more, I, uh, I also had a realization uh, the other day. So I, the past three months, I got back in the gym and I started working out and I've like lost 15 pounds and gained like five pounds of muscle. And it's just been like phenomenal. And for the past several years, I've hated going to the gym just because I was going through, it. I was just, like, just going through the motions. Like, I don't like being here. I'm not seeing the results. I just want the results just focused on that. And then, I, you know, I flipped a switch in my brain and I just said, screw it. I'm just, it's about consistency day by day. And, you know, once you start to see a little bit of results, you know, how addictive that can be. And I just realized mm-hmm. I was walking back from the gym today. I was like, I actually really enjoy the gym now. Like I enjoy the, su- it's still hard as hell, but it's because I know that I was willing to go through that sucky part in order to kind of get out and start to see those, those connections and those you know, muscle growth, etc. So, I don't want to belabor this, but I've just had these, you know, recent <laughs> epiphanies around that same <laughs> thing that you talked about in the book. I love it. Yeah, talk a lot about mm-hmm. killing the negative voice. Let's talk about the negative voice that every single one of us has and why that's so mm-hmm. important to address.
1: So, um, you've you got these three voices in your mind. We, we talk about this in the book. You've got uh, the negative voice. You've got your true fan, and then you've got your mentor. And each of these voices has a different role in your subconscious. Um, and I like making the analogy that it's like a ship and they are three crew members on your ship and you spend most of the time as the captain of the ship, actually sitting in your bunk, not controlling the ship. And the crew members are following the plan and they can only do what they've been trained to do. And the negative voice is the crew member that says no. And that's really important. It's an important voice because, you know, if there's a, I don't know, a whirlpool up ahead and you're going to sink and, uh, you know, your true fans like we can do this. Don't worry about it. And the mentor like, I'm pretty sure I read a book that says we'll survive this. And the, the negative voice is like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to take that risk. That ain't happening. And the negative voices goal is just to say no all the time. And the true fans goal is to always say yes. And the mentor is like the voice of your parents or your teachers or your tutors. The problem is most of us growing up have a negative trainer, a negative mentor, and that's where the issue lies because most of our, our conscious skews to negative. The mentor, the, the, the voice of our trainers and teachers is always saying, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. The negative voice is saying, don't do it. And the true fan, the one that says yes, gets overruled, which means the only time you get to take a positive action is when that captain comes on board and says, let's do this. But that takes energy, that takes effort, that takes willpower. And so most of us don't do it. So what happens is we listen to the negative voice that says no. It is easier to not go to the party because we know that our parents said we shouldn't go out to parties, we should be responsible. Our teachers said it's important that we get our homework done. And the negative voice says no because the negative voice always says no. And even though the true fan's like, but we worked so hard, we deserve this, we stay in. And that causes depression, and it makes us tired, it makes us lethargic, and we lose our social life. And we don't get to interact or network with people that can grow our business all because the subconscious controlled us and we said no. And a large part of the book is teaching you how to turn off the negative voice, which actually, you know, I suppose the big, the big secret in the book is you don't turn it off. You learn to listen to it and then you choose whether you're going to listen to it or not. Um, and once we bring choice in and then we say, you know what? I don't want to go out tonight, but. I do want to network. I do want my social life to prevail. I do want to try and build my business by meeting up with that one guy that I said I would. And I know that I deserve this because of the hard work that I've had. So I'm going to go out. And when we start taking that positive action, our life only gets better.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, the um, the, the one... I don't want to call it a disconnect, but the one thing, um, when you talked about killing that negative voice, um, uh, like a reframe for me, cause I, I've dealt a lot with this as well, just like in doing personal work, which is that negative voice has a, um, like I try to befriend it instead of trying to kill it. I personally have tried to say, okay, you're negative and, but why are you negative? And it's like, you know, in NLP, one of the precepts, neuro-linguistic program, one of the precepts is that every action has a positive intention. And I try to say, well, okay, it's negative. Why? Well, because it's trying to protect me, right? And I always try to say, well, what's, you know, why is that thing being negative? Is it just trying to be a dick? Or is it trying to actually give me some some degree of protection? It's like, it never, it doesn't want you to get hurt, right? That's that Pieces going, don't do this. You might fail. You might be embarrassed. You might lose status. You might lose money and all this other stuff. And I try to say, okay, thank you. Thank you for your concern. I get it. I'm going to address that, but you can relax now. You know, I'm going to do it because I've mitigated your concerns. So I always try to befriend it, almost like a keto, right? Like just redirect its negative energy into. Uh, yeah,
1: I know. I absolutely love it. I think that, that's a completely valid method of doing it. Um, I think the problem that most people have is that they listen to it and worse they think it's them and that is the biggest danger in the book is when you think that negative voice is you
0: that that right there you yeah you just slammed it right in the middle of the uh, of the bullseye is when you think it's you and when you think it's the core voice that's where I think it does the most damage because then you'll listen to it because like obviously it knows best it's me
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah, there's a there's a really good movie actually, uh, What Dreams May Come. I tell everyone they should watch yeah, it. It's it's such a beautiful good. movie. Yeah, it's it's great, right? But there's a great point in it. It's what part of you is you? Are you your head? Are you your heart? If you get a heart transplant, are you still you? Mm-hmm. You know, like what where is the you? And a lot of people think they're in their head, but actually you can there's a special set of goggles they make that lower your eyes to your stomach. It's like a sequence of mirrors where it, like a like a telescope, right? Um, yeah. And the you moves into your stomach and you believe you live in your stomach. Or like when you're driving a car, you have a sense of awareness of the physical shape of the car, even though it's not you, you know where the butt of your car is. Why do you know that? And it's our consciousness tends to fill the vessels that we're in um, or are or, or are constrained by. And, and the concept of what is us um, is, a, is a huge thing in philosophy, but that voice that says no isn't you. It is part of what you are. You think about how much bacteria make us up. How much mm. we're we're like a multi-part organism. Um, there is no single one part of us that is us. We are a collection of everything, um, and and that's the key. And when you realise that that negative voice is, it's like an advisor. It's just it's just a voice in your head. It isn't the real you, and the real you is the one listening to it. <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, it's speaking. You're hearing it, so therefore you're the listener, not. Of not the one saying it
0: right um, and and what's always, I, it. I was gonna say what's always kind of worked for me is trying to take myself completely out of the situation in third party and almost act as though i'm watching from a distance like i'm watching that negative voice talk as shit and then i'm watching the uh true fan talking and i'm watching like all the th- stuff going on and like stepping out almost like i'm watching it on a movie screen and that's kind of been uh, effective because it 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 makes you realize that, yeah, that voice is just a character in your head. It's just a character playing its role, doing what it's going to do. Um, and it kind of helps diffuse it from, you know, creating that separation. In the book, you talk, you know, about the mentor a lot and how kind of the, like, you know, the, there's the negative voice, right? What's well, the true fan, the mentor, and then is it the negative voice or is it another name for
1: that? Yeah, that's it. Cool. Nope, that's so, it
0: yeah so your true fan is, is like that then you mentioned this as well the angel on your shoulder and the negative voice is the devil and the mentor mm-hmm. is kind of the like kind of the one in the middle like is it would you say the mentor is the one who kind of tips the scales depending upon um how you treat yeah, the no, mentor that, and how you fuel it
1: that is a great um that is a great way of thinking of it. i like i like thinking of it like the true fan always says yes, the negative voice always says no um, and the mentor is balancing between the two, and the mentor is like the the you when you're not indoors. Like, Because at any point, you can overrule any of these three, and you can be like, okay, this is what's actually going to happen. But most of the time, that takes so much willpower and energy, but don't do that. So you're kind of reliant on the mentor, and the mentor is the only one you can train. The yes voice will always say yes, the no voice will say no, but the mentor is trainable. And the mentor tends to pick the decision that it knows has worked in the past. Mm. So given a choice, the mentor is always going to side with the thing that is proven to work. And that's where the issue lies, because if you don't go out for the evening, you survived and you had a relaxing evening. So the Mm -hmm. mentor believes that you not going out is the best choice. And so unless you step in and train the mentor, that going out once a week is actually really important for your social life, your love life and your business life and networking, the mentor will continue to convince you that staying indoors is the best thing.
0: Ah, so, and that, I think that's an interesting distinction too, because especially if you're using the word mentor, because a lot of times in just day to day, like if you, if you have a mentor, you're listening to whatever they say, right? Like you mm-hmm. have mentors, I have mentors yeah. in my life. It's like, okay, whatever that person says, I'm going to do it because they know best in this situation though, the mentor doesn't, it doesn't sound like they always necessarily know best, but they are, they are acting upon and, you know the past experiences. And like, like you said, like, hey, listen, um, I, if, if you've been protected from the past. If you don't go out tonight, you can't be rejected and embarrassed, for instance. So that works, so I'm going to do it. But it sounds like what you're saying, though, is that uh, you can influence the mentor because you're not the mentor either. You're not the true fan. You're not the negative voice, and you're not necessarily the mentor. But one of the things I got from the book is that you need to almost like remind the mentor or reframe what how the mentor is um, perceiving your past experiences and do it in a more empowering way so that the mentor just doesn't get sucked into the negative voices like argument and say, oh yeah, this negative voice has a has a really good point here. Is that that absolutely
1: yeah, pick that up right? That's exactly it. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And also you gotta realize that the mentor doesn't listen to you necessarily. The mentor will, when you step in, the mentor is collecting information from the people you listen to. Mm. So when I go to school, my mentor is trained by my teachers. And every time I absorb information and act on what my teachers said, my mentor is gaining that knowledge. It's every time when you can hear your mom still telling you off 15 years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, depending on some of us, um, like when we hear that voice in our head, we're not remembering our mum speaking. Our subconscious has ingrained that lesson into our head and we believe it. Um, mm, I like, I was like, your as database a kid,
0: my past experiences and, and the meanings you've attached yeah. to it. And if all you've done is reinforce it with negative stuff and inside the database, it's going to act on what it knows. Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. My, like I, I was saying my, um, one of my memories from my mom is, she always told me make sure you eat the yolk of the egg because it's the best part, yeah. and then of course years later I learned from nutrition is actually the white of the egg is kind of better, um, and so you know and then there's obviously it flips off back and forwards, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Every time I look at an egg, my mentor jumps in with my mum's statement that make yeah. sure you eat the yolk; it's the best part. And I I retrain myself because I prefer I've always preferred the white, um, and so I, I I changed it, but I still hear the mentor pop up. But it's so much weaker because I've had years and years of fighting back against it now. And, and the key is, if we want to be successful, we want a mentor who's giving us successful advice, not advice that is holding us back. So mm. if somebody's got a business and they're not growing, like I said, they're going to default to that mentor that's going to say, well, in the past, when we needed to grow. We just started a new business. So why not give up this one and start a new one? And then the next thing you know, you're looking at new business opportunities. You don't know why. And you're telling your partner, oh, I can't really focus on my business. I've got this great new idea I want to work on. And you are being controlled by your subconscious. On the other hand, you could take that mentor and say, you know what? I'm going to sign up with Brad, or I'm going to sign up with uh, Roland Fraser, or one of these other experts. And I'm going to train my mentor to scale up what I've currently got and sell it and then move on rather than just ignore it and start something new. And, your, your negative voice will be like, no, 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 don't do that. Your mentor will be like, well, we've never done that before. I don't know what to do. And the yes voice is like, yeah, we can do this. And you take control and do it. And you train that mentor by putting yourself in a room with a new teacher who knows what to do. And suddenly the mentor is like, wow, scaling up is a good idea and can be done. And the negative voice can win because the mentor is, is giving you information from these smart people. The yes voice is saying, yes, it's what you want to do. And now your subconscious is driving you to the success you want. And suddenly becoming successful is easy. It's not even hard.
0: Well, I love that. And it's, all, it's like the, the mentor doesn't have the ability. If I get any of this wrong, let me know, but I'm having these. No, own, get,
1: like, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you're nailing it. <laughs> the,
0: uh, it. The mentor doesn't necessarily have the ability to go create its <laughs> own new experiences that it can bring to the table for you. Like the mentor's uh, resources and information and experiences are all based upon what it has been fed Uh, unlike a real life mentor who's out there and they, maybe they're living this life. They're accumulating all this knowledge and skill. And so when you're working with them as a coach, as a paid advisor or whatever, they can bring things to your life that you have never experienced and help you. But if you're just relying on your personal mentor back there and you're not, you know, if it's only had negative experiences and negative reinforcement, that's all it has to do. Cause the men, your mentor can't just go out sub, you know, in the subconscious while you sleep and collect all these really positive reinforcing skills to bring to your life. You have to, you have to give the mentor those experiences. And it sounds like you can do that by, you know, working with others, people who are in the place that you want to be people who are talking in the positive way that uh, propel you so that it's almost like you're, you are fueling that mentor with new experiences, new, uh, perspectives on how to be more resourceful for you. Is that, is that correct? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You nailed it. It's absolutely that. And if you look at the most successful people on the planet, they do one thing more than the people that aren't successful and that is they read. And when they're reading, they are, they are hearing and training their mentor reading educational books is how you train your mentor or a way and you know hiring coaches, you know, hanging around the right kind of environment. Right. It's why they say things like, you know, We're the some of the seven people we spend the most time with, it's because it trains your mental. And that's the key because we can't operate on our conscious all the time. It takes too much energy. It's too much effort.
0: You're right. There's one of my favorite, uh, he's deceased now. He's an older guy that uh, was a big motivational speaker and author, Charlie Tremendous Jones. Uh, and he was a huge, <laughs> proponent. one of his whole things was reading more, but he had this famous saying, which was that the only difference between you now and you in 5 years are the books you read and the people you meet period because if sure. you don't read any more books and you don't meet any new people you will be the same person but if you read better books and you meet better people that like, you cannot help but change and that like obviously you have to take action on some of the stuff but the books you read the people you meet right the information you learn and the men- and the real life mentors that you bring into your life
1: Absolutely, and that's why you know, like for me, writing this book was so important. Um, You know, ironically, it was nothing to do with business or anyone else. My big drive was I wanted to have a book out there that my kids would be able to have access to, twenty years into the future, so they could always reflect back on the lessons I want them to learn. And that's really why I write the books. I, I write them for them.
0: Yeah, and yeah, you want to leave a you want to leave a legacy, and you want people to have the resources you want to be the mentor that other people don't have the, you know, maybe they didn't have the opportunity to be. Well, I want to switch over because I, uh, there'll be a link in the book. Like there's so much, by the way, guys in this book that more than we just talked about, it's so rich with um, actual applicable tactics that you can put in while you're doing the, you know, reading this book. And I encourage you to get it, but I want to talk a little bit more about like your bit your main business, like psychology hacker. Tell me Or tell the audience because I know all about it. Um, Tell me about what Psychology Hacker is and why you created it and what, you know, what your goal for people to get out of Psychology Hacker is all about.
1: So for me, um, the thing that pains me most in the world is the people who believe their life can't change. Um, when you tell them, "Hey, you should start a business," and they say things like, "Well, that's easy for you to say. You don't have kids, or you know, you're not struggling for money, or what have you," and they forget that once I was, and I learned how to change my life.
0: Mm-hmm. I had a,
1: a situation the other day. There's a, a guy who's running this like a forty million dollar year business. he's doing great, um, and he, he's struggling. You know, he's like mentally struggling. It's like. He doesn't know what he wants to do in life. Like, he, he just has no idea where he's going, what he's doing. And it hurts me that he's got so much money, and yet he doesn't think that anyone can help him. Like, there's, there's no answer to his problem, and that he has to be sad and depressed. Um, I was hanging out with a bunch of Bitcoin guys who have never had sex with their wife in like the last couple of months, and they're like really upset about it. And, and like, they're like, nothing can be done. Like, there's no solution to this. And anytime someone thinks there's no solution to this is where I have really where I get, I feel pain and anxiety. Like I want to help people because growing up in East London, you know, in the environment I did, it was always just, there were things that were accepted. You will not leave East London. You will not be successful. You will not make money. That's just how life is. And I've learned through my own life that that's not true. When someone says you can't do it, they are wrong. Almost always. And the goal behind Psychology Hacker was to give people a way so that people that don't have money can just follow the page and learn how to start rethinking, how to alter it by, by letting us shape their mental. And then they can come on board even further, become a member of Psych Hackers, uh, which is like our private group where we give them daily psych hacks, different ways to to reset their brain and rethink. Um, and then that moves them. If, they are, if they're interested, they become a student of the Internal Advancement Institute. And these are our, our, you know, top students. And these are people who are on a personal mission to alter the way they think internally. And, and it's incredible. Like, we've had people change complete careers, quit businesses, start new businesses, um, you know, travel the world, pick up that nomad lifestyle, um, or even just, like, you know, find their true love. Um, and it's great. And it's it's all because they shift this idea in their head that they, they have to be stuck with what they have now instead of thinking about what they want their ideal uh, life to be it's actually funny one of the first things we do with all of our students is we make them identify their perfect day five years in the future and then we create an action plan to bring it as close to today as possible and we've had some people achieve what they thought was a five-year goal in like two weeks <laughs> because yeah which which is like mind-blowing we, we had a guy I and mean, i'm never gonna forget he um he loves boats and he was trying to become a millionaire so that he could sail boats all day. And his perfect life was wake up his girlfriend, um, you know, and him have an intimate moment together. Then he makes him bacon and eggs. Then he gets on a boat, he sails all day. And then in the evening he sits down and works on his business a bit. And then he goes to bed and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I feel like I need to be a millionaire for that. And within two weeks we had him working with a local yachting company that needed someone to basically like test the boats and like take them out and make sure that everything was okay. And so without becoming a millionaire, he woke up one day, was into it with his girlfriend. She made him bacon and eggs because he'd never asked her to make him bacon and eggs, by the way, which is the problem with that one. Then Uh he goes to the yachting company, takes the boat out, makes sure it's all okay, comes back and then works on building his business instead of running this multi-successful business. And he lived his perfect day within two weeks, something he thought he wouldn't be able to do for like five years.
0: That's amazing. And you know, one of the things that uh, it makes me remember, you mentioned the, you know, th- no, you didn't mention this, but uh, one of the books that got me into the whole world of online entrepreneurship is Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And one of my favorite lines, the only line that I can almost remember verbatim from that book was when he was talking about how most people think, you know, most people want, everybody wants to be rich. Like everybody eh, I want to be rich. And they want to, they think they, they want to be rich because they think, you know they want to experience here's how we phrase it they want to experience what they believe only millionaires can experience which is freedom to do what you want uh freedom to like you know have like actually enjoy your life and have experiences and maybe travel and do other stuff and it's like you know the thing is you don't need to actually be a millionaire, to experience those things, that's a fallacy. And like Tim's whole thing was if you structure, if you create a business and you structure it in a way such that you can remove yourself from so many day-to-day operations that you have the ability to pull away from it because it's either automated, uh, delegated, you know, or systematized, then you can go, um, you know, you can go, on a long vacation. You can live around the world. You can do all this other stuff. Making You could do this making $40,000 a year if you want. And you and I both know a lot of millionaires and even a few billionaires. And I know some of them who are not happy. They, they actually don't have, they're not satisfied. They're not happy. They don't have time freedom. And a, lot, a lot of this is self-imposed. But I think that people would be really blown away with uh, how close the life of their dreams is under their nose if they shift some perspectives and have some new tools, resources, and, um, you know, methods to go about it. Like, I oh, just don't oh, know.
1: Ab- abso- I, I, I agree so much. And that's, you know, that is the, the point of psychology hacker. In fact, I had my use psychology hacker against me. Um, cause I, like you said, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd and a big part of being a nerd is buying. Well, I did call you a geek. You know, I don't
0: know what's better geek or nerd, but
1: yeah, I'm technically technically a geek. Uh, technically, nerd. Uh, there is King there is a difference nerds. in geek and nerd. Okay. Yeah, um, so uh, so but, but they call me like a huge geek, and they're like, you know, this is terrible, um, and it's because I have like being a geek. A big part of it is buying things. You uh, because they play a lot of games, and you buy a lot of games, and that's what it's. Called. And there's one particular game I play, uh, Warhammer, which I love. It's a tabletop game. It's like a war game, and. You know, I'm not ashamed to admit that once I started earning, you know, a million plus dollars a year, um, my expenditure in that hobby increased significantly. Um, And for about six months in a row, I was spending three to five thousand dollars a month on wargaming miniatures. And I have two rooms full of unglued, unpainted toy soldiers. And (laughs) it prompted both my girlfriends to pull me to one side and be like, we need to have an intervention. They're like, you can afford this, but it's a lot of money and you're not using it. Like you're so busy buying it, you're not doing anything with it. And so they said to me, they were like, you need to not stop it, but you need to psychology hack this so it's no longer an expense. And and they were 100% right. It's exactly what I would recommend anyone does. And so I started a second business, which is nights at the Game Table, and Brad, at this point, I mean, I received a $3,000 order completely for free in my mailbox two days ago from companies sending me this stuff for free now because I've built a business in that era. And I recommend everybody, you have a hobby. If you do not have a business in your hobby, you are missing out on the ability to have your hobby be free. One. And that's one of my big psych Oh, yeah. That.
0: I love that. Yeah, it's, it's really it's, so true. It's great. And, and mm-hmm. there's now, yeah. unlike in the past, right now at this time in history, it, it is easier than ever to actually create income from your hobby. And that's, I mean, that's a oh, topic for a whole nother story. But yeah. uh, I love how you actually also actually show people how to do that at Psychology Hacker. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game Table. And that's what you created, right? Knights at the Game Table dot com.
1: Yep, nights at the game table. It's a um, you know you see a lot of people that play Twitch and they they play video games on Twitch. Um, we we went one different. We went with board games because I play a lot of board games, and so we have a, a YouTube channel that where we play board games. And uh, you know we're, we're we're young. We're still in year one, but in year one we've you know amassed about ten thousand subscribers. Uh, we generate uh, about twenty thousand dollars a month in sales. Um, which for a, a part-time business that I work literally less than four hours a week on, um, you know, it's, it's really not that bad. And more importantly, all of my miniatures, all of my gaming hobbies are either free or I'm buying them at absolute cost from the companies themselves.
0: Yeah. Ah, <laughs> lovely, lovely life mm-hmm. hack, isn't it? You know, oh, no, it, going it's, back little- it's so nice. A lot of people know this, and I, I love it. You actually followed my uh, for a little while. You followed my uh, lead on this. Um, speaking about you know, like a little life hack, psychology hack. Everybody thinks they want to drive an exotic car, and uh, mm-hmm.
1: 100 oh, an percent. Yeah, it was great. Car market.
0: Right. I've got a. I've got an Audi R eight that um, that I realize I, I want to be able to drive this, but I want to be able to um, like. You know, how, how can I drive this for free? And I realized that by systematically, you know, once in a while renting it out to rich people who are willing to pay by the day for it, it will easily cover my expenses in the car. And I've driven an $160,000 automobile for the past, you know, four years for the price of maybe a Honda Accord. So it's realizing that there's more than one way to skin this cat when it comes to uh, creating experiences that you want to um, enjoy. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and is, actually, that's one of,
1: the, one, of, one of the big things about Psychology Hacker and like my motivation behind it is the worst. It's not just bad enough that there are people that think you know, they can't improve their job. What's really bad is there are people that think they can't do a hobby that they'd love or that they think they'd love because they think they don't have the time or the money to do it. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of that with nights at the game table. I see comments. Not every comment, but like, you know, one in every hundred comments is from someone that's like, man, I'd really like to play this board game but I don't have either time or money to do it. And that, that's why I have psychology hacker. That's the, the goal. It's because that hurts. Like, I don't like seeing people not living life. Well, can you imagine spending the next 30 years of your life thinking you can't do the things you enjoy because you have to do something else and now you're oh. dying. Oh my God, that would be terrible. And that, terrible. That's, that's why I do
0: this. It's one of the biggest fears. And I agree. No, absolutely. Well, Adam, I obviously could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. And I know... I think we're at the top of the hour here and um, time to wrap this up. But uh, this has been, this has been super fun and a break from some of the more tactical business oriented uh, shows that we've had. And I hope that every single person appreciates this because I do know this, it is one thing that I don't care what business you're in or not in or trying to get in. You can relate to this. And if you know, if you're listening and it's hitting home and you're like, man, I wish more people would talk about this. I w- where can I find more information. Well, I'll tell you, if you go, I have got a link in the uh, show notes, no matter where you're listening and you can get, uh, was it hack brain? Ha- I don't have it up, up in front of me. Is it brain hacking or hack your brain? Bra- it's brain hacking. That's what I thought. That's what I thought on Amazon mm-hmm. and you can check it out. You can go to psychologyhacker.com and find out all about what Adam is up to and helping people really, uh, you know, hack their brain and, uh, get more out of life from a guy who I, I will attest to. I, I've known him for a very long time he amazes me quite often at how he's able to pull off what seem like miracles such as telling me one day that he's get, he wants to buy 40 acres in texas and i don't know if it was a year later he had it and um <laughs> like really really just ridiculously awesome but um <laughs> adam thanks for being a two-timer on bacon ramp business
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's good. Yeah, I, I always find that when it comes to bacon, you always want to go back to second helpings, right? So yeah, that's a fact,
0: Jack. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening to the show. Keep on tuning in. I got some really cool, exciting things. If you ever have any questions you want to reach out, need a second opinion on something you're stuck with, shoot an email over to askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com and I'll, I'll take a look at it. And if you um, haven't subscribed to the show, click that and uh, drop a review on there. I read every single one of them and I absolutely love them. Uh, Until next time, Adam, thanks for joining me. And for everybody else, we will see you on uh, the next episode.